So we pick up um, the series in Nehemiah in chapter 7. And if you haven't as of yet, I want to encourage you, please read through the book of Nehemiah, beginning to end. You don't have to do it in one sitting, but, but read through it all. It'll help you get a better understanding of what it is we're talking about as we're walking through the book uh, chapter by chapter, because we're not going verse by verse. We would be in Nehemiah for an extremely long time. But we pick up in chapter 7, and the walls of Jerusalem are finished, but the work is not done. So Nehemiah led the rebuilding of the walls and setting up the doors and the gates, and it was a miraculous accomplishment that was completed in just 52 days. But to be clear, this was the framework, not the finished work. Renee and I have been fortunate um, a couple times to, to build homes. Twice we were fortunate to build uh, townhouses, and once we were a part of building uh, a freestanding home. Now, I'm going to be clear. I have not hidden my construction abilities from you whatsoever. They are, let's just go with, limited. So we did not actually build a house. We gave the money to a builder who built the house. But we were able to view the process from empty dirt lot, see it through all the way through to completion. And there comes a moment, there comes this time in the building of a home where from the outside, it looks like the home is done, right? Whether it's got siding or stucco, that's completed. The front door, the back door, the garage door, they're all on. The roof is on and it's shingled. And from the street, it looks like a completed house, until you walk in the front door and you notice, well, the drywall is not up, it's not painted, the flooring's not down, there's no kitchen cabinets, there's no toilets. Clearly, this is just a shell. This is the framework. This is where Nehemiah is in chapter 7. So if you've got your Bibles, open to chapter 7, look at verse number 4, and it says this. Now the city was spacious and large, but there were few people in it, and the houses had not yet been built. There was a framework that Nehemiah had established where the people could now come into the city and build homes with security, identity, and within the borders of Jerusalem's walls. Nehemiah was standing back and he was looking at a blank canvas, if you will. Blank canvas that was ready for the details of life to be created, for the portrait of the city to be painted. Going forward, there is possibility within the completed walls. Reading through this chapter, I identify so much with this verse and our journey together as a Crosspoint family. We have been working together to rebuild the walls of our church. We, all of us together, have been showing up, connecting, supporting one another. Many of you on Memorial Day, you made the, the, the drive up the mountains so that we could have a meetup in the mountains to build relationship with one another, to get to know new people, and to connect. You've supported kids and student camp fundraisers. We had bake sale, and, and, and we sold waffles, and, and, and through it all, you hung out, and you stayed. It's not like you just grabbed a waffle and walked out the door, or, or bought some cookies and went home. You stayed. You connected. You built relationships and invested into our students and our children so that they could attend camp in the coming weeks. You have helped serve in the kids' ministry, in greeting, in ushering, in the media. Thank you to all of our media and sound team. I know today was stressful, but you guys kill it week in and week out. 
Even when there's been times when there has been um, holes in what we need. We didn't have anybody for the nursery or, the, or for the preschool. Some of you jumped in and did extra weeks plugging the holes because there wasn't enough people. I've even had some of our new families say to me over the last few weeks, we want to help rebuild the wall. Holy Spirit is drawing people into our church family and they are helping to rebuild the wall. All of these things that I've talked about, this is rebuilding the walls of our church. The rebuilding of Cross Point's walls is a process that is well underway. Things are beginning to settle and stabilize after a long season of transition because we have been working together to rebuild. And listen, there's still time and there is still space and there is still opportunity to jump in and get involved and help us rebuild. All you need to do is come to me and ask, how can I help? Do you guys remember that message I preached probably almost eight, nine weeks ago? How can I help? But you can talk to me, you can talk to Renee, some of the other leaders, or some of our other staff members, just come and say, how can I help? And we will help you get plugged in and to continue to rebuild our walls. We will rebuild together. I don't know if you're aware, I came to Crosspoint many years, many years ago, I would come for services. I had no idea how big this facility was. Like if you come in the front doors and you're just here, you have no idea how big this facility is. We have 39,000 square feet of facility here. We use maybe a third of it. We've got an entire section of the building that's like, we don't, we don't go up there. <laughs> we don't know who lives up there. We, I, I, I pray for our security people who lock up at nights being like, I hope whoever lives up there, don't come down. I'm kidding, nobody lives in the church. But they're, they're rooms that have not been used for years upon years. So what's the point? What's the point of me telling you how big the facility is and we maybe only use a third of it? I want you to look around and I want you to see the possibility and the potential that's before us. Like if I could, if it wouldn't completely, you know, train wreck the service, I would have us all stand up and we would walk through the building together and we would turn the lights on in all of those rooms so that you could see the space and you could, you could begin to dream. What could God do with this? God, what are you saying about this room or about this area? Today's just not the day to do that. It'll come, but there is work to do in building inside these walls, building ministries, building a family culture, building discipleship, raising up leaders, building outreach into our community on top of the things that we already do and beyond. See, now is the time to dream. Now is the time to continue building. The city was spacious and large. The church is spacious and large. There are few people in it, and it's not yet filled. You know, there are, there are, there are, are, are many pastors that would um, not talk like this. Like, there are not a ton of us in here. We don't fill this space. And that's okay, because you're here, and I'm here. We don't look around and be like, man, who's missing? I look around and be like, man, look who's here. Look at the people that are coming, that are part of our family, and that are connecting. You're the builders. We build together. 
we grow together. It's okay that it's spacious and we haven't filled it out yet because we have the, the job, the task, the possibility and the potential to fill it, to create along with God. God, what do you want to do in this place? Verse 5 says, Then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials and the people to be registered by genealogy. Then I found the register of the genealogy of those who came from Babylon first. And I found the following record. And then it goes on for the next you know, 59 verses or so. And it just names people. So Nehemiah gathered and counted every person. Why? Because every person is important. Every person was needed. Nehemiah knew as he walked through the city that he didn't build the walls on his own. And that it wasn't just a small group of people. It took all the people to rebuild the walls of the city. Coming together to complete the assignment that God had given them. This is why he assembled them. This is why he wanted to count them. To record their names. To give credit where credit was due for the work that was done. Assignments from God. They do not get completed alone. They get completed in community. If you're trying to complete the assignment of God upon your life in isolation and alone, you're not going to get it done. Because the assignments of God are completed in community. Every person also represents a story. We all have stories. It's a testimony of what God has done in and through us. A story of how you got to this specific moment in your journey, this specific moment in time, Every person counts and every story matters. So when we read the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah is actually a partner book to the book of Ezra, which is right before. It's Ezra and then Nehemiah. Ezra records the rebuilding of the temple. And Nehemiah records the rebuilding of the walls. So when, when Nehemiah gathered everybody together, and in verse 5 where it says, I found the register of the genealogy of those who came first, he's referring to the people in the book of Ezra that came to rebuild the temple because they rebuilt the temple and then stopped. And then Nehemiah came along and then he, he rallied them to rebuild the walls. So there's the list of people that we read in Nehemiah chapter 7 from verse 6 to 65 is almost identical to the list of people that you'll find in the book previous, Ezra chapter 2. It's almost word for word, name for name, it's the same list of people. This is what it says about those people in Ezra chapter 1 and verse 5. Then all the heads of the fathers' households of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, all those whose spirits God had stirred up, arose to go up and rebuild the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. God stirred their spirits to rebuild the temple. God stirred them to an assignment and they left everything to follow the call of God, to follow the stirring in their hearts. The names of the people that we read about in Nehemiah chapter 7 and Ezra chapter 2 are people that left it all behind. They left behind comfort. They left behind homes. They left behind wealth and security, all for the sake of seeking God's presence. Family, it is all about the presence of Jesus. See, Babylon wasn't home to them. They were exiled because they were disobedient to God, so God exiled them out of the land as punishment. But they didn't have it that, all that bad in Babylon at the same time. It may not have been home, but they still had developed and had lives. 
See, they came back to Jerusalem with over 7,000 slaves with them. Come on, now you don't, you, in that day and age, you didn't have slaves if you were poor and destitute and living on the street, right? The Israelites had lives in Babylon. They, they, they put roots down, but they left it all. And they traveled 600 miles to a place with no safety, no security, no homes, all because they felt God stir something inside of them. In 2006, my family and I first moved to San Diego. It was a dream come true for us. And we left everything that we knew in Canada. Family, homes, where we grew up, where Renee and I met, where our children were born. We left it all behind because God stirred something inside of us. To come and to give our lives and to, to, to love on people and to minister to people that we didn't know. It was uncomfortable. It was hard. It was at times scary. But we laughed because there was a stirring in our hearts to pursue a dream that God had deposited in us. And we laughed to pursue the presence of God. And then I think it was uh, 2013, we felt that stirring again. And God stirred us to return to Canada, this time to a different area of the country. We moved from, from San Diego to Toronto. Not because that we wanted to, because this was the dream. And I know that sounds harsh. <laughs> this is the dream. We didn't want to leave, but it's the reality. This was the dream for us, to live in Southern California and San Diego. This was home. But God stirred something in us, and he asked us, will you follow me? Will you pursue my presence? And because Jesus is worth it all, and because it's all about the presence of Jesus, we said goodbye to people that we love to friends that we made, to what, what I would call family. These are friends that are now family because we didn't have family here, so we created family. And we left it all behind, again, to go someplace where we didn't know anybody, where neither Renee and I had roots. We didn't grow up there. The only, we knew one person there, Renee's mom, who had moved there several years before. And so we didn't really have any roots, but we were following the presence of Jesus. And then three years later, we once again felt that stirring inside of us. And God said to us, you gave up the dream to pursue my presence. And he said, now coming back, you can have the dream and my presence. See, when you feel the stirring of God on your life, you walk away from everything that you know to follow that stirring, to pursue the presence of Jesus, because it's all about the presence of Jesus. The Israelites in this story, they left their past to seek God's presence in their future. Because you cannot step into the new if you do not step out of the old. If God's got something new for you, you cannot stay in the old and step into the new. This is exactly what Selene was talking about. Letting go of the old things to make space for the new things. Now, this might seem absolutely obvious for Nehemiah's story. Because how on earth are they going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem if they live in Babylon? This is a 600-mile journey. This is not happening in a day or a couple days. Sometimes it's harder to apply this to our lives now. But the statement isn't any less true. If we are going to step into the new things that God has for us, then we must leave behind the old things. Now, this might mean a change in job, a change in school that you attend. This might mean moving to a new neighborhood or a new city, a new state, or a new country. 
This might mean stepping away from one area of ministry involvement. It might mean leaving old mindsets behind. And sometimes it even means leaving and moving from one church family to another church family. Because family, sometimes God does that. Sometimes God moves people from one church family to another church family. I just don't always believe that it happens as often as people move. And this is not a leaving something because I'm angry or because I am hurt or because I did not get my way or things didn't turn out how, they, how I thought that they would. It's leaving the past to seek God's presence in your future because it's all about the presence of Jesus. So what is Holy Spirit stirring in you? Ask yourself that. What are you stirring in me, Holy Spirit? What old things do you need to leave behind so that you can pursue God's presence now and for your future? It's not going to be easy. But when you read the Bible front to back, page to page, cover to cover, nowhere will you ever find that we are promised easy. But we are promised that it's worth it. The sacrifice, the trials, the difficulties, the discomfort, it's all worth it because Jesus is the reward. We don't like this, this part of, 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 of the Christian message, self-sacrifice, death to self, hard. But Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it all. It doesn't matter what he asks, he is worth it. See, the stirring of God must lead us not just to going, but also to giving. In chapter 7, verses 70 and 72, and I'm, I'm not going to read the amounts, but this is what it says. Some from among the heads of fathers' households gave to the work. The governor gave to the treasury. Then to verse 71. Some of the heads of the fathers' households gave to the treasury for the work. Then to verse 72. And what the rest of the people gave was, and then in between where I stopped and skipped verses, there's the amounts that, that was given. See, the assignment of God does not get completed without giving, without generosity. These people, they gave to the work so that the wall could be finished and the assignment completed. But it wasn't, it wasn't just those people that had the means to give that gave. All the people gave. It lists the heads of households, the governor, and the people. It's about equal sacrifice, not equal giving. See, the assignment doesn't happen without generosity. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about the assignment to rebuild the walls of Crosspoint or your own personal assignment that God has given you. It requires generosity. And in the book of Nehemiah, we, th we see three areas of generosity. The first one is devotion. This is your time. You have to be generous with your time as you work to complete the assignment of God. This, what does this look like? Well, this looks like serving. It looks like serving in ministries and being a part of this church family, holding babies in the nursery, working sound, being on the worship team, opening the door and saying good morning on a Sunday morning. These are just some of the things. Like, it involves your time. This also looks like investing time with your family. Your family needs you. Your family needs your time. Invest in your family, in your spouse, and in your kids. You also need to invest in your neighbors or strangers that you meet or people that you work with. You need to love on them with the love of Jesus. So be devoted to the thing that God has stirred inside of you. 
Work the assignment, and the assignment will work out. Number two, dreams. Be generous in your dream life. Allow yourself the space to dream outrageous dreams. What this requires? This requires downtime. This requires idle time where you do nothing. Which, come on, hands up if it's difficult to do nothing. I'm a doer. You ask Renee, there's times on a Saturday you know, afternoon where there's not a lot going on and I'll, uh, she'll, she'll ask me, are you bored? And I'll be like, why? Because I begin to walk around the house. I begin to kind of pace around the living room and I'll go upstairs and I'll sit for a bit and I'll come downstairs and I'll sit out on the patio and, and then I'll come back in and she goes, are you bored? Do you need to do something? Because some, I find it difficult to sit and do nothing. But idleness is key if you're going to dream with Jesus. It's difficult to dream if you never stop. So dream dreams that scare you. Those are the dreams that God gives, the ones that you look at and you're like, that's impossible. And Jesus says, I know. That's why I'm going to do it with you. You're not sure how to dream? Create the idle time, the space where you're doing nothing and ask Jesus to show you his dream for your life. And then listen, don't say anything. Sit, I would say, you know, sit with a, with a pen and a piece of paper, not your phone, because it's super easy to pick up Facebook when you go to write, write a note down. You're like, ooh, what's happening here? You know, it's put your phone away, but have a, a piece of paper and a pen. And then begin to write down what it is that he's talking to you about. Also, you can feel for the places that your heart burns with passion. Where are the places in your life that when you get involved or the things that you do and your heart begins to burn with passion, because that's a key indicator of what your dream is and what he's placed inside of you. The third area of generosity is dollars. It's going to make the money. It's, it's going to take money to complete the assignment that you have been given. And it's going, listen, it's going to require more money than what you have. This goes back to God giving you dreams that you can't do by yourself. Because your job isn't to pay for the dream in its entirety. It's to be generous with the dollars that you do have. Right? But be challenged in your generosity. Stretch yourself in your giving of tithes and offerings and, 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 and to missions and, and, and to support our missionaries and, and, and missions projects. And then give outside of the church. It's not just about giving here. It's about being and living a generous life. God doesn't need your money. He wants your partnership. Right? But if you look at your bank and your bank statement, you can tell what's important to you because your money follows the things that are important to you. See, he's really after our heart. When he has your heart, then he's got your wallet and the wallet doesn't matter anymore because he will pour more into you than he ever asks for you to give. You just have to live with the open hand. The moment things get really difficult is when we start to do this on the dollars that we have because we hold on to it. And God says, man, I'd like to put a bunch more in there, but you just closed your fist on it. So you open your hand and you let it flow in and out, let it flow in and out. Everything that we have comes from Jesus anyway. So family, it's time to dream. It's time to dream. It's time for us to write our chapter of Crosspoint's story. There's been many chapters to come. I, mean, I don't know if you guys realize this. This church is almost 80 years old. In 2037, we will be 100 years old. 
There's a lot of chapters that have been written in Crosspoint's story, but now's our time to write our chapter. And what is it going to say? What's your input going to be? What are you going to write in Crosspoint's story? It's time to dream. Because I'm not looking for little stories. I'm not looking for little footnotes. We can do something big. I mean, look around you. The chapters that have been written in Crosspoint's story included 39,000 square feet of building space, two parking lots, seven houses, and an apartment complex. That was the story that was written before. What's our story going to look like? What's it going to read? It's time to follow the stirring of your spirit and embrace the generosity required to partner with God and complete our assignment. That's what we're about. I want to complete our assignment. I don't have to complete the, the people from the past, their assignment. That was their responsibility. It's my responsibility to complete my assignment. Let me pray. I want you to close your eyes and I just want you to, to put your hands out in front of you. Because I'm going to pray for the release of some things in your life. Father in heaven, I pray that you would release dreams. Big, scary dreams. Impossible dreams over my family and friends today. That you would release dreams that terrify them. You would release dreams that wake them up in the middle of the night because they are so stirred with your spirit and so stirred with passion that they just have to move. They just have to go. They must leave the old to step into the new to pursue your presence. I pray that our spirits would be so stirred and our hearts would so burn with the fire of passion within us that it's all that we could do. It would be our our. Our mantra, so to speak, would be like the prophets where the word of God, he says, was like a fire shut up in his bones, that that would be the stirring of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And I ask that you would release courage over us to embrace the generosity that is required to complete the assignment that has been given. Generosity of time, generosity of dreams, generosity of money. And I ask God, that you would lift up the tent pegs of our lives and of our church family and you would stretch out the tent pegs, that you would enlarge our territory, that no one would be able to look at us and say they didn't dream big enough. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>